Welcome to the Workshop Therapy Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew, and today joining me is Mr. Brad Harrison of Brad's Custom. Welcome to the show, Brad. Thank you. How you doing, Andrew? I'm doing pretty good, actually. I mean, you know, we just had our brief pre-show chat there and talked a little bit about moving. I'm kind of on one of those, like, half highs, half low because of how fast my shop sold. Like I was kind of thinking that maybe I'd have a couple months of, or a month at least of prep time, but now I have a month to get it emptied and move. Yeah. That, uh, like you said, you may have, maybe you should have charged a little bit more, but if you'd have charged like a grand more, you probably wouldn't have sold it for another six months. Well, and that's, and that's always the delicate balance, right? I'm like, I, I did sell it. I sold it for more than any of the other lots that are around me are for so and i made a good chunk of change on it from when i bought it so i'm not going to complain at all but uh yeah now i have to now i have to figure out how i fit my thousand square foot shop into a 300 square foot shop up north there are ways like like you said most a lot of people are working with a lot smaller so you'll figure it out yeah and and i'm not I mean, it's not like it's going to be too bad either because I can just stash stuff over at my parents, which won't be very far away. Or my brother has a heated shop a mile up the road too. So it won't be the worst thing in the world. But anyway, yeah. So you've, uh, in our pre-show, you, you said you moved around a little bit too. What, uh, Alaska, what were you doing up there? I went there for a girl. And then she came back to Oregon or you realized <laughs> that it wasn't a match made in heaven? No, uh, we're married now. And she came back. No, uh, it was funny because we went to school together. She lived in in Oregon with me um, up through junior high. And then she uh, moved up there with her mom. Uh, and we never talked. But in junior high, we signed each other's yearbooks. Don't remember each other um, from it at all. And then um, back before Facebook was around in the MySpace days, she just started messaging me hi and we talked and I was in a place in my life where it was just easy to say, well, let me load everything up and drive the Alcan Highway in a 24-foot U-Haul in the middle of winter time. And that was a, cra- <laughs> that was a crazy trip. Um, that's where I found out about the frost heaves and the number of flags you want to count when you see frost, you know, when you're coming across them. Um, but yeah, we were up there for a while, spent... Uh, a lot of weekends doing stuff outside of the city because that was Anchorage. And uh, we traveled all over Alaska and then realized that that's not where we wanted to stay at. She wanted horses and uh, that's not a good place for horses. So we had to get back down to Oregon. Well, I haven't I haven't been to very much of Alaska. I've been to Skagway and that's about it. But uh, I've been all over Oregon and I think you made a good choice. <laughs> Yeah, with all the places that I've uh, I've lived, it's I enjoy it. It's got good weather, yeah, it, you know, good people. Yeah, it's kind of like the best of uh, the best of the West Coast because you're far enough south that you don't actually get a real winter. Well, I guess you you do more so because you're a little bit more inland, but but like you still you what are you hour? You'd be about two hours from the coast, eh? Two and a half hours. Uh, two and a half, three, depending on. Okay. What traffic is ahead of me? Yeah, and so you can uh, you can get to the coast and uh, go out to the coast for the day. Makes it for a long day's driving, but you can go out to the coast for the day any time of the year. 
and then you got, I mean, you got some world-class skiing in your back door. So you kind of got the best of both worlds and you're far enough North that you're not in California. <laughs> yeah. You're far enough South that you're not in Washington. Yep. Far enough East that I'm not along the whole, uh, crowded corridor, I-5 corridor of Portland, Eugene, Salem. Yeah. That's, I mean, that being said that Williamette Valley, man, that's, that's some of the prettiest places in the world there. It is. It's, it's a great place to be, be, visit, but it gets slimy. It, you know, it's wet and slimy and moldy. And where I'm at here, it's they consider it 300 days of sun and uh, very dry climate. Um, I put stuff outside that should rust in everywhere else I've lived. And a year later, I come back and there's hardly even service rust on it. So I can't complain about that. Yeah, that's one of those things where... Um... I, it's really dry around here as well. And and you hear people on the social media talking about, Oh, what do you do about rust? What do you do about rust? <laughs> like nothing. Yeah. I, I, uh, yeah, I just put my stuff in my shop and it's done. Waxing <laughs> the table saw. Why would you do that? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do actually wax my tools, but it has nothing to do with rent rust prevention and everything to do with just making things smoother. Yeah. Yep, just throw some wax on my joiner and on my planer. I do too. It's just, but, uh, it, it's not needed for the, most people do it for the rust. And, you know, I've seen that people talk about just setting a cup down on the top of their table saw and the, the rust rings. And that just doesn't happen around here. Yeah, no, it's lovely. And the other thing that's lovely about it is when your when your relative humidity is like 20 degree, 20% or whatever it is, it's like wood movement is also not a thing. It's there's no, yeah. uh, yeah, there's just no, no problems. It's wonderful. But yep. Anyway, so looking through your feed and stuff, you, you do, this is, this is kind of like hobby for you, right? Like you're not making your living off of this. We talked about that. You're a mechanic. Yeah. But is it, is this like a, I do this for joy and occasionally sell stuff or do you intentionally make stuff that you want to sell? No, um, very shallow. Like, um, everything I make, I want to sell. I, 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 I do it for that reason only. And it may seem shallow, but there's a deeper reason behind that too. Um, I don't actually use the money. Like I don't need the money, um, for personal, you know, everyday life stuff, but I sell it because, so in your schooling, have you had any, I wouldn't call it disorder, but a completionist. Have you ever heard of the, the term completionist? Yeah. Okay. So I've recently found that I'm a completionist. Um, so the fact where if I start watching a TV show and I get halfway through the season and it's not very good, I still have to finish it. Um, just because I have to complete that, uh, I recently bought a poster that's got the 200 something or 300 something woods on it. Um, and I framed it and I'm marking them off as I use each one of them. And I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to get some of those illegal ones from Australia. <laughs> so how that plays into the shallowness of needing to sell everything is I feel like I'm like some of the makers that I just need to check off every box on being able to make everything so all the stuff that i make goes back into it buying new tools so that i can just say you know this with leather hey i've 
done this with glass. Hey, I've you know, it's it's like a checkbox, and I'm making putting a check next to each one of them. That's actually probably not the worst thing in the world to be suffering from. I mean, it's better better to be a completionist with making things than a completionist with trying all the drugs in the world or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there was a time when I was drinking that uh, you know I tried to check off a bunch of different uh, bottles of alcohol, but. I stopped that. That's not a completionist that I want to do. Yeah, that's a that that could potentially end up being a final completion too. That <laughs> you're, uh, yeah, that's. Uh, I'm I'm kind of the same way with some things. You, you you get into that like oh I gotta finish it, but then you feel like a failure if you haven't finished it yet, and it's not like I have this I have this chair that's sitting. I designed up in 3D and I got it started and then I made a mistake and now it's sitting in the corner of my shop. Every time I walk out there, it makes me feel bad about myself because, I mean, it really is probably one of those put in two or three more hours and it'll be done. But uh, there was, anyway. I was watching a video, uh, Peter McKinnon, his most recent one, and he had a statement that somebody else gave him and, and I am going to completely gut it because I don't remember the thing. I need to go back and watch the video, but it was something like you'll find magic in the things you're you're scared to do or or that you haven't done yet or that you haven't completed yet. It was a kind of an eye-opening thought, just all those things that you started and you haven't finished for whatever reason, you're scared or you don't know how to go to the next step. If you finally complete those things, you know, what, what's going to be released. Yeah. And it's, it's very, very growth mindset versus fixed mindset, right? Like if you have a fixed mindset, you, you, you tend to get into this doing the things that you know how to do because you know how you can do them and you're not going to fail at it versus a growth mindset. You don't grow, you don't grow without making mistakes, right? It's, it's like, you know, people. I sometimes I use the the metaphor of uh, of exercising, right? Like you don't grow muscle, and you don't get stronger by doing the things that you can do easily. You do them. You you get stronger by pushing yourself, and that pushing damages your muscle. You tear the muscle fibers, and then as the muscle fibers repair themselves and grow together, that's what builds your muscle. You know, and it's the same mentally skill wise all of these different things if you don't if you don't kind of push through the 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 fear you're never going to get better at anything yeah goes back into the playing of why i I haven't seen myself you haven't seen myself on many uh instagram videos i just need to push myself and and tear those muscles and show the face and talk about what i'm doing well you got the you got the manly beard going on there you know (laughs) that's that seems to be the the key to success on the internet for for male woodworkers i mean if you got a beard then you're clearly a superior woodworker right (laughs) the beard was before the woodworking so it's a natural progression then you grow the beard and then you and then you start the woodworking um do you have chainsaws as a result of the beard um they were in there someplace. I have multiple chainsaws. I think they were before the beard, honestly. Maybe that's what grew the beard is the chainsaws. This, the testosterone from the chainsaws is what triggered the beard. And then yes. and it's all gone from there. <laughs> yeah. You know, here's one of my pet peeves. I know everybody likes Tim the Toolman Taylor. I can't stand 
I can't stand Tim Allen. He's he. I I don't know what it is about him. I just don't like him. I mean, it was it was a moderately funny show, but yeah. Anyway, total aside right. rant that I started. Yes, but anyway, I'm sorry if you're a Tim Allen fan. No, no, I not apologize. at all. I could I could with with or without Adam, I don't really care. Yeah. And if Tim Allen happens to listen to this show, he's welcome to he's he's welcome to message me and tell me off, and I'll invite him on, and we can have an argument, and he can change my mind. Oh, maybe he needs some therapy. Probably does. Doesn't <laughs> we all do? Doesn't most yeah. of Hollywood need a, need some sort of therapy? Yes, no. we all do. Anyway, yeah. So we kind of kind of got into the why you make, and it's it's. Is that is that really for me? Like I I feel like this need to be able to do as many things as I can. Like I want to be able to. I don't necessarily want to make my living at doing everything. I would like to experience doing everything. Is that kind of a similar? Yes, uh, the experience for sure. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot more to, of the wise. You know, there's I have friends that are not creative. They they don't know what to give for gifts so i want to be able to them for them to come to me and say hey brad i i need a gift for my brother and all i can think about with him is the truck he has a truck that he loves that's like the only characteristic of him like what do you what can you do with a truck that you know for christmas or birthday whatever and i want to be able to come up with four or five different options on hey why don't you try doing this um we could do this. We can do this, and I don't want to be just that one trick pony. And like, and you know, I started off doing a lot of uh, plasma cutting. Like, I I'm a metal guy mostly at heart, and I have a, I have a plasma CNC machine, and so I was cutting signs um, and doing two layer and three layer signs uh, with my plasma, and I just didn't want to offer him only plasma cut stuff. I mean, sure, I could do it, but he he came to me and you know asked me this christmas time and he just he wanted something simple and i took that picture of the truck and i put it on a uh a yeti uh tumbler and uh put you know his nickname underneath it and it was something simple which is all he wanted but uh his his brother loved it he loved it everybody loved it and Next time he comes to me, I'll I'll give him another option of making something. Yeah, I was going to ask if you had a plasma CNC because the the one post you have pinned on your profile is the cow one. Yep. And that's uh, so you have a do you have a, a laser as well that you do the, do the uh, yeah, engraving with? Got, I've just got a uh, a couple diode lasers and then an IR laser. Um, in the the purchasing of this year, hopefully to have a CO two and. A fiber laser get all the toys and then you can i am most upset by the fact that i don't think i'll ever be able to afford to pay for all the propane of having a glass blowing cauldron or whatever you want to call it you know they always have to keep it melting um because i would love to do glass blowing but i just know that that's just something you have to do all the time and i it might be something I go six months. You know, if I were to have the kid, it would be six months before I do the next project on one. Because that's how, just how, you know, I jump around a lot. It'll be plasma, laser, CNC, whatever I want to do next. Got the uh, the maker ADD problem. That's the... Yes. I mean, I give props to people who can who can focus on one specific thing and just become absolute masters of that one thing. But 
but for me, I, I'm kind of the same as you. I like, I want to try a little of everything. I'm like, yeah, it would be really cool to do some glass blowing and it would be cool to have the tools. But, um, yeah, there are certain things that you have to justify a lot of expenditure in order to, to do that. But yeah, that, that's, that's kind of where the, the one downside of, of living farther from larger centers is there's like, I, I know like Portland, for example, I, I'm pretty certain at one point I looked into like a glass blowing studio there that you go in, take classes and things like that. But when you live three hours away or six hours away, depending on where you're at, it, it's like, do you three days to go do two hours worth of glass blowing, right? Yeah. Luckily, I've ingrained myself in this local community, and I do know a lot of the artists that aren't in just the metal world. Um, in fact, I actually have a cross-the-street neighbor that's a glass blower that I've only talked to because his dog has escaped and ended up on our property. But uh, we've, since then, we've talked, and we'll, we'll probably be visiting each other's shops. But, you know, it's I can't even hardly see his house from my house, so we keep to ourselves out here. That's just what we like to do. Well, but th- there you go. That's uh, I mean, that, and that's the wonderful thing about social media and, and community and stuff too, is, is, is you never know the guy next door might be a glass blower. He might be the guy with the plasma CNC or, and, and that's sometimes where I get stuck too, is I think to myself, well, I can't do that because I can't do that. And I forget to say, well, my neighbor probably can, or I know somebody who can. And, you know, I think most people are are willing to share their knowledge and their their experience with you. But anyway, so how long have you been doing the making thing? You said you're a you're a mechanic by by trade, so you pull wrenches and and you started doing this as a something to do something else or what? Yeah, I started just I started just wanting to make stuff uh, basically for gifts. I, I hated the uh, the buying stuff for the family. And uh, my family's not bougie where they needed anything special. Um, so I just started, I think with that, it was like welding horseshoes together. I think one of the first things I made for somebody was uh, my adopted daughter, uh, cowgirl, wanted uh well, she, and she needed a place to, to put her boots. And so I took some horseshoes and made one of those boot uh, boot stands, boot holders out of the horseshoes. And then it just progressed for a while, um, just only making stuff for gifts, never selling anything. And then I think it was the plasma cutter. Uh, I, I bought it on a whim. Um, one guy at work wanted to buy, wanted to uh, actually borrowed my, my handheld plasma cutter and he was trying to cut out target stands shooting target stands and uh i just had a little bit of extra cash from from some bonuses at work and ordered a plasma cutter or the cnc table and made some for him and some other friends and then i'm like well let me see if i can pay for this plasma cutter and so i still sold some more of them target stands and then just made turned on the signs and then it just kept going it started rolling downhill from there well it's always good and that, and that's where going to like the you know the poor craftsman blames his tools there are some times when the tool really does matter because yeah you could probably do everything you you do by hand with just a regular 
CNC or a plasma cutter or or even with an angle grinder and a file if or a or an acetylene torch even but it's just not economically viable yeah you know, you're never going to doing it any other way you're going to spend 10 times the amount of time and then nobody's going to be able to buy it yeah yeah i i enjoy more of the finished product than the actual getting there i think i mean even with so so getting there at the end is a lot better so even with the cutting boards i make i run the juice grooves on the cnc um it's just super fast less sanding um i i like the digital part of it i guess there is a yeah it's the two schools of thought then too is you have find joy in the journey or or is it about the destination and 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 I'm kind of with you on that actually is I enjoy the ability to have an idea and then the idea is there and so so I I'm not as much as I've done like the hand tool practicing and I do enjoy doing hand tool work I also like to I like the efficiency of being able to to do to do certain tasks, you know, and, and that was actually one of the goals behind my last year, year before, whenever I started doing the hand tool a day thing, uh, it wasn't necessarily, I'm going to get better at, at hand tools for hand tools sake, as much as it was, there are some things that if you're good at hand tools, you're just going to be faster doing it that way because you don't have to set up a machine. But if you're going to batch out a bunch of things, then that, process reverses yeah i can understand that L- lack of time i work along it a long day five days a week i think that plays into a lot of my stuff is if i were to do hand tool stuff i i don't feel like i get a lot of stuff done so yeah and and that's and and again like it, it like i said it's it's use specific right like for me it was i want to start incorporating more angles and stuff into into a piece of furniture and and if i can if I can just draw a line and then cut it off at that line with a handsaw, it's faster than me going, okay, I've got to tilt my table saw this way. <laughs> and then I've got to tilt the miter gauge that way. And then I have to put a block on it that way, I think, and then run it through and realize that I've made a mistake. Yeah. If you've got the experience with the handsaws or with the hand tools, they're probably faster in that type of stuff. I also don't have a lot of experience with that stuff. So the digital part of just just it's just easier it works in my mind better yeah and that's i i'm i'm constantly in that back and forth dichotomy because it's like i know i know i could probably do this in a hand tool way relatively quickly however when i'm doing the thinking about it i'm not out in the shop i'm sitting here in front of my computer doing doing a course or something like that and so then i end up doing it on the computer digitally and so then the file's ready to go and i could throw it out onto the scene but yeah so that's your why huh that's why you want to that's why you do the making you just started just making gifts i think yeah does that come down to like like relationships with people i know a lot of people me anyway i don't necessarily care if somebody gives me something but i can appreciate the time that somebody took 
you know, like if if you give me a gift card to Subway, I'm going to say thank you. Or if you give me a gift card to Lee Valley, I'm going to say thank you slightly more <laughs> because obviously you obviously you at least took the time to recognize that he probably eats food. He's a woodworker. He'd probably buy something from Lee Valley. But if you give me, a, you know, a hand-turned pen, for example, that you made, even if it's a piece of crap, I will appreciate that more than than a gift from or a gift card or even a purchased specific gift specifically because I understand that you took time to make something. Do you kind of feel the same way about that or? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, they're definitely custom made and that's, I guess that goes along with, you know, one me wanting to be able to help other people figure out what they want me to make for the, for, you know, for as gifts, but the stuff that I give has, like my my daughter, she loves uh, arrows and uh, feathers and ferns, and so there's a little bit of a you know feather or fern or arrow engraved, or there's a theme to it, um, and it's it's just not that generic gift that you can walk into Walmart and buy. It's it's something personalized to that person and. There's probably there's probably something more into it psych- psychologically than that, but it's just you know something that they aren't going to just throw away. I, that's at least that's what I hope. I hope it's something that that goes along with their personality. I guess that's what it is, and that they're going to cherish. Yes. Well, yeah, and that's and that's kind of what I mean is like you obviously have to put thought into it. Like so, there's a there's a time investment versus flipping through a catalog or flipping through Amazon or whatever and going, Oh, Hey, that's cool. They'd like that. And then push send and and it's on its way. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so the past two years I've, I've taken to learning a new skill, um, right before the holidays. And I use that skill to make something for everybody in the family. And we don't all exchange gifts, but I just use my family as, as, you know, to be able to give the first gifts to and because they always say don't sell your first items so this year of my learning at maker camp was uh pen i turned some pens and i decided that turning was going to be my gift giving this year and each one of them like i just ordered 14 pen kits and each one of them was personalized even down to the wood like i know this one this black and white ebony looks like horse fur so it's going to go to the daughter you know and the rest of the pen was a horse a a cowboy themed you know pen so down to colors yeah it just it just turns into personalization it's 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 a great thinking exercise i think too to try to figure out what goes with that person's personality or what do they like and so they can have that enjoyment, I guess, and opening it. I guess that's one of the big whys too. Like I said, there are so many different whys that I why I do this, and I can't tell you the exact reason. You know, the main one. They're just they all flow together. I think. Yeah, and that's that's probably true for most of us. I think is like we have like a like an overarching general why maybe, but it's it's really composed of all of those small. I like the ability to to personalize things and yeah, and if you're buying something from Walmart is you know, 
there's a million others of the exact same thing out there. So if you can just take it just one step further than that, you're, you've made something unique for them. And then you have, you have, I think in a sense, maybe given a part of yourself to them via that more so than if you're buying something from, from Walmart or, or wherever. Yeah. I see that. So do you have any exciting, uh, any exciting plans coming up? Are you doing the make what you fear challenge with the working hands podcast guys or. Yes. And that one is, <laughs> I'm going to have to keep going on it. It's got me a little bit stopped right now because I mean, it's supposed to be challenging. It's supposed to be make what you fear. Uh, I, I love repurposing things and I was going through a thrift store and I found a grandmother clock that this guy had a bunch of grandmother clocks and grandfather clocks and they were like broken. So he was like, he'd repair them. This one had a lot of the wood basically all around the, the clock top portion was broken off of it. I picked it up over a year ago, probably close to two years ago now in the, per, in the plans of doing this project. And this make what you fear is, is, is forcing me is, is getting me to do this project. And I'm basically going to take the, the clock guts out of it. And I am going to make the whole rest of the body out of metal parts, car parts. Um, I built a skeleton, um, out of, and I'm just going to start finding water pumps and eh, water pumps is kind of an odd shape but certain shape things and just weld it to it and just make like I say just make a whole body out of the, the used parts gears wrenches whatever that'll look pretty cool of course yeah. if there's a if there's a rash of certain parts disappearing in in eastern oregon we'll know who to look for though eh? <laughs> I've got some not necessarily catalytic converters. But... <laughs> yeah, no, there's there's metal bins at uh, different shops that uh, I know of that I can jump in and climb my way through. Yeah, and I've collected yeah. many um, parts of the years for art projects because, like I said, this is this is what I would love to do. If I had to pick one thing, that would be it, and that's recycling things into. I I like the more functional art, but. Just art pieces. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a stereotypical statement here. That's like that's a true Oregonian thing right there. I'm gonna make art with recycled stuff. That that's like the most Oregonian thing I've heard. Yeah, I have to admit that you're <laughs> correct. It is a very Oregonian thing, even though I don't t- play into the typical part of Oregon that, that you hear about. The Portland area is is a different different mindset. And the people there have a different mindset, but I will say that that is very Oregon sounding. Yes. That's uh, yeah, it's, well, I, I lived in Portland for four years, eh? And, uh, that was my, uh, I've heard, I've heard since then a few times the, the whole, uh, was it, we're a, is it, we're a blue state with a red center or a red, red state with the blue center, however it works. Yeah. That's so true. Portland is a completely different place than the rest of Oregon, but Oregon is a completely different place from the rest of the U.S. It is. It is. Yes. At least it's mostly good people in this area. Yeah, I, I never ran into anybody I disliked in Oregon, but uh, 
I think one of my favorite experiences though, to, to highlight Portland was my wife and I, we went down to the farmer's market this one time and, and I shared this on my store. Did I share this on my stories? I don't know if I did. Um, a couple days ago, I, I shared that, uh, that red faux fur thing. I don't know if you saw that or not, but there's been a no. faux fur at, at the, uh, at the fabric store and I pulled it out and my wife, you know, I said, this is what happens to Elmo when he outlives his usefulness. And, <laughs> and my, my wife made a comment about it being recycling, but anyway, the story, the story behind that though, is my wife and I, we go to Portland uh, farmer's market and we're walking down the farmer's market aisle, um, lanes, whatever. And there's this lady there selling faux fur, F-A-U-X up on her thing. Mm -hmm. And there was this, there was this woman just ripping into her. Doesn't matter how you spell it. It's still, it's still cruel to those poor animals. And (laughs) it's like, oh, anyway, every time I see faux fur ever since then, I always tell my wife, oh, it's cruel to those poor animals. Man, you you killed some red red deer someplace, yeah, to get that red fur, didn't you? Yep. Yeah, poor Cookie Monster. That was the end of Cookie Monster when he was <laughs> needed some blue, and so I went needed purple. So I took out Tully. Yeah. Hmm? Yep. Interesting place it is here. That being said, if Oregon was part of Canada, I'd be back there in a heartbeat. A- yeah, that's close enough. So that's your. Uh, that's gonna look cool. I'm looking forward to seeing the clock. That'll be fun. And uh, yeah, I was going to do some power carving, but I don't know if I'm going to get it done now just because <laughs> wasn't uh, wasn't expecting to sell my shop quite so quickly. But I guess it's not sold. When's the make what you fear ends at the end of March, right? Isn't that what they said? Three months. Yep, we got a little under two months now. I could, could probably sh- yeah, I could probably get it done, but we'll see. Maybe eh, sounds like you have to, a lot. Yeah. Sounds like you have a lot on your plate coming up. Yeah, we'll see. Got to figure out. Uh, Got to figure out how to make a house. You don't have an, even a place to stay up there yet. You, you that's right. <laughs> you said you had to build the house up there. Yep. Uh, I mean, you... we could move in with my parents temporarily, but being forty years old and moving in with my parents doesn't sound like a fun idea. <laughs> they don't think the same thing, or they think the same thing too with three kids. Yeah. Well, they're <laughs> they're eighty one, so that so they're definitely. Uh, wouldn't be looking forward to that. But I, I've I've built some houses before, so I've I know what I'm doing enough to I'm fairly confident. I just don't know if everything will fall into place quick enough for me to to actually get it closed in before the snow fly. Or well, I'll get it closed in, but I don't know if I'll get it love, livable by by the time it's too cold to be staying in the trailer. But we'll see. Yeah, It'll be so an adventure the either way. For a while. Yeah, I mean, we lived in it for basically three months this summer and didn't murder each other. And, uh, yeah, what did we put on? 28,000 kilometers. So how many miles is that? That's like 16, 18,000 miles, something like that. That's a good trip. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It was fun. I don't regret it at all. Hopefully you don't. Yeah. That's a, that's a lot of miles to regret. Yeah, that's true. That was the worst decision of my life. I hate my family now and we don't want. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm pretty certain my children will be traumatized for the rest of their lives. They'll they'll remember. They'll remember the trip, that's for sure. 
At least the older two will. I, I don't know if the youngest one will. I don't know. I have good memories of our of our trips like that. So I mean, okay, never one, never like that, never in that many miles. But I have good memories of the trips, and I continued them on. That was another thing that the one thing that I do for a, or for fun outside the shop is we try to uh, travel to hit all the uh, national parks. So we just jump in the truck, throw the camper behind, and take off for a week or two. And there's another completionist thing is I don't know how I'm going to get to them all, but I'm going to have to try to get to them all. Well, we were, we were going to, uh, our plan was actually go across to Northern California and go do the Redwoods and then come up along the, along the Oregon coast on our way home. But when, uh, when my truck had its breakdown out in, out in Massachusetts, that kind of eliminated the, uh, the auxiliary funds we had. New new front end suspension and a new rad and new active air shutters in the front. Although yeah, that's... that one didn't need to be replaced. That was one of those like it's stuck open, so it doesn't really matter aside from throwing a check engine light. Yep, just just one of those nuisance things. I don't want to see that light on my dash because I don't know if it's if it's that or if it's something new that you don't know about. Well, there was that, but also the check engine light disables the uh, command start, right? And so oh, yeah. When it's minus 30 out, the command start is a very nice feature. Yes, yes it is. And so that was, I actually, yeah, the the active air louvers on it had failed a couple of years ago. And so, I, or, yeah, I guess almost two years ago now. And so I just kind of ignored it because I knew what it was and I knew it's not really a problem. But, uh, but when they had the front end of my truck off and replacing the rad and all that jazz, I was just like, well, you might as well. Might as well do it now. Yeah, but at least you got that American money, not not having to spend the Canadian money on it because it was down in the states. Yeah, that was definitely helpful. <laughs> a thirty percent exchange rate on top of the repair bill. Yeah, and actually, actually, that one kind of shocked me because I knew exactly. Well, I knew pretty much what it would cost here because, well, because I've fixed vehicles before and I knew what the price was on on a couple of the parts anyway. It's like it's like dollar for dollar almost the same price. And I was like, this is a this is a thirty percent premium for me to get this fixed here. Huh. But yeah. But being on the other side of the freaking country, I really didn't have a choice. Yeah, true. So, well, unless you had your brother around. Yeah, I just stole his truck for a bit and that was that was all good. And it was actually nice because he's been he's been living he's been living there for twenty years, I think. Yeah, he moved out there before just just before I, I guess so so 18 years he moved out there just before i got married um but any anyway so you know i haven't really interacted with him at all aside from the occasional phone call and occasional family reunion so it was kind of nice actually spending a week there getting my kids to meet my brother and spend some time anyway well it's been fun chatting with you and I appreciate yeah. you taking the time to come on. Why don't you tell all, all the vast audience who doesn't already know who you are, who you are, where to find you and all that stuff. Well, uh, I go by Brad's Customs. It's Brad's underscore customs on Instagram. Um, really, that's about you, you find you find everything there. So no need to talk about anything else. That's good. Do you have any uh, parting words of wisdom to share? What would you uh, 
about finding your why and creativity or or any other parting words of wisdom you feel are important to know oh man on the spot how about an old now i'm gonna i mean what is, what oh come on you said you were ready for anything here be... i i i was i was and now i'm trying to remember <laughs> how the exact saying goes um life will either polish you or grind you down depending on what you're made of what how does that go now i'm see you just got me i that's what it is depending on what you're made of is whether or not life will polish you or grind you down that's maybe not what you're made of but maybe your attitude i guess well you know how you're you're made of what your attitude is a lot of times so that's true very true and on that bombshell let's head over to the uh let's head over to the after show okay see you there So if you found anything from this episode to be helpful and you want to reinforce it for yourself, I'd like to invite you to share it with a friend in the next 24 hours. That'll help reinforce it in your mind and it'll help those around you, which is always a good thing. So thanks again for listening. And now I'd like to say thank you to all the amazing patrons of the Workshop Therapy Podcast. You guys make the show possible. If you're finding the show helpful and you want to support it, there are a few tiers, including a simple $1 a month option to just say thanks. For $5 a month, you can get access to the patrons-only feed that has a pre-show and a post-show, in addition to the regular podcast all-in-one feed. You, You all know that the good stuff happens after the official mics are off, right? If you can't support financially, I totally understand. But I'd love it if you left a five-star review or told a friend about the podcast. If you have any questions or feedback, I'd love to hear that as well. Send it to questions at workshoptherapypodcast.com and I'll get it on the show. I want to say thank you to all the patrons of the Workshop Therapy Podcast, but especially to the founding fathers. And they are Mr. Matthew Serio from Argiano Serio, Mr. Brad Harrison of Brad's Customs, Mr. Keith Drennan of Blackthorn Concepts, Mr. Eric Peterson of Overall Maker Works, Mr. Brandon Millichamp of Tectonic Creations, and the one and only, the Grant Alexander. So a special thank you to the founding fathers and thank you to everybody who supports and shares the Workshop Therapy Podcast.